Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Sports In Podcast. Hello, my name is Patrick Fletcher, and as ever, I'm joined by Chris Ainsco. Chris, how are you on this beautiful morning? I'm good, thanks, Pat. Like you say, uh, lovely out there. Um, <laughs> so, a great morning to do the podcast. How are you? Yeah, very well, mate. Very well. Good. You should probably mention in the, uh, the meantime, we actually had a round of golf, didn't we, this week? Oh, yeah. First time in a long time, back together playing. So uh, and, at, and at Welsh Ball, we parred the par five, didn't we, both of us? Do you, yeah, what a rare event. It's rare for one of us to par it, <laughs> let alone two of us. <laughs> Le- rest of the round, probably less said the better. <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree. Well, for those new to the podcast, we aim to make this your weekly insight into the world of sports. We will cover the latest sporting news, dissecting the previous weekend of action, Whilst taking a look at what the weekend ahead has in store, we will cover every blade of grass in the run-up to the season finale, offering our trusty opinions from fantasy football to Super 6. And not to forget, we will be inviting local athletes and professionals to come and give you an insight into their world of sport. Okay, Chris, we'll start with the sports quiz question. So it's not a who am I today. Okay. So I'm just going to ask you for your answer at the end, I think. Keep the listeners guessing throughout. Who is Britain's most decorated Olympian? Do I reply? <laughs> well, maybe... Uh... Yeah, maybe maybe give a guess now. Actually, see see what you, see where your head's uh, thinking. If I had to go on off the bat on this, I know we mentioned a while ago, didn't we, about medals, Olympic medals? I don't think anyone Brit is it's going to be swimming, but I know you can win a lot of medals in cycling. So, off the top of my head, I'd have gone Chris Hoy, but I don't know beyond that. Okay. Interesting. Well, listeners, there you go. Who is Britain's most decorated Olympian? So, Chris, shall we take a look back at the weekend of sport and also discuss some news of the week? Um, I'm in this voice because of the recent news of the European Super League. <laughs> Chris Ainsco, your view. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about this week, have we? <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't. What what a mad um, few days, really, isn't it? We sort of um, yeah, it's gone from nothing, and then everything came out Sunday, didn't it? And then by sort of Tuesday night, um, the whole thing had collapsed. Um, so I don't really know where to start, Pat. Um, maybe what what's your view on the whole thing? <laughs> Um, my view. Well, I'm not, let's put it this way. I'm not angry about it. I haven't been angry because unfortunately, um, I saw, maybe not saw this coming, but saw something similar on the lines, the way the owners have, uh, have been, especially FSG throughout the last 
four or five years, I feel like something big was going to be coming. Uh, so I've got some some facts about FSG that I wanted to to speak about. So going back now, uh, when the main stand got built, they firstly tried to bump up a price to sit in the main stand to £77. £77 to go watch a football match. Now, the supporters thought that was crazy. So we just we decided to um, protest in the 77th minute of a football match. We were 2-0 up at the time. The fans left. Mo- the majority of the fans left. And we finished the game 2-2. And I think that was poignant because it, it basically said, look, FSG, without supporters, you're nothing. And it's proven there. And they backed down then. I think they capped it at 58. So we managed to get 20 down, I believe. Mm. So that so they did a U-turn there. Then most recently, as you probably are aware, they tried to furlough our staff during lockdown. Again, supporters had their cry and they U-turned again. Recently, they've just sold 450 million of their shares to a capital investor. 450 million. So say that's 10%, their value in their business of 4.5 billion, right? This is this is an own this is an ownership that tries to furlough our staff, okay, and it's just for me with all these things. I thought, yeah, I, I, saw, I sort of saw this coming in a way. The greed, um, the advantage they're taking, not just FSG. It's obviously the other big six, but I'm only talking about FSG because it you know it means more to me. Then, um, I know. Look, I know. John Henry has come out and apologised via video call, and that's something at least. But I know what Liverpool supporters are like. They're not going to take that. I was going to say, what did you make of that apology? Well, it's all well and good doing that, isn't it? But he could have he could have done a video call saying why we're going into the Super League in the first place. This is my, yeah, it's it, yeah. it just reeked of arrogance to me. Um, the fact that these owners and it sounds like there's not a lot not a lot of officials at those clubs who were like fully aware of it it was literally a owners and a handful of other others involved who came up with this idea and it was just so flawed and so out of touch with everything that it just stinks of arrogance doesn't it um and yeah like you say you could see it that was obviously the way with football money we talk about it quite a lot don't we um, but this felt like a leap rather than a step <laughs> of the way it's going, yeah. didn't it? I think which is what part of the shock factor. Um, but yeah. And another big thing is we're still in a global pandemic. I don't care what people say, we are still in a global pandemic. And this has come at the complete wrong time, hasn't it? You know, people have lost their lives. People have lost jobs. People are struggling. There's businesses struggling. And then they talk about this multi-billion whatever franchise that's going on. and It's just, it puts things into perspective for me. Well, I think Alan you know? Shearer, um, when I heard something he said on it, and that sort of hit the nail on the head for me, throughout this pandemic, the one thing with football that people have been talking about is how much fans not being there has impacted the game. And then all of a sudden, like, off the back of that, all of a sudden the fans mean nothing to them. It's just... It, it's crazy. Um, yeah. Maybe if we leave the money side just to one side for a minute, I was going to ask okay. you the the whole 
concept of having 15 teams who cannot be relegated from a league of 20. That? <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, talk about... It's, uh, <laughs> I think Pep hit the nail on the head, didn't he? He said, it's not sports unless there's an end goal. So a promotion, relegation, you know, there's something to work hard on a day-to-day basis, Monday to Friday, and then get your end goal on a weekend. And the effort clubs will put in on that during that week. And it's all basically for, oh, yeah, we'll play Real Madrid every year. Yeah, we'll, uh, it doesn't matter if we win or lose. Um, yeah, we can finish bottom of the league and we'll still earn three billion or whatever and we'll still get to play them again next year. Yeah, it baffles me. Um, the whole concept is wrong. At least if they put in a concept which could have been a little bit, oh, okay, supporters might look at it and think, well, that's something. But no, it's 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 not great at all. Again, like I said, I'm not angry about it. It just is the word baffles, correct? Yeah. It just yeah. baffles me. Yeah. It really does. What do you think of that? Promo- no promotion, no relegation. There's just no integrity to it, is there? Um, no. It's so out of line with everything that the game was founded on. <laughs> yeah, it's bananas. <laughs> I just want to say as well, Carragher and Neville, I think, started this all off. I don't know if you saw it on Monday night. I think Gary yeah. Neville's been superb, hasn't he? Oh, especially. I mean, other people as well, like you say, Carragher. Um, it seems everyone's getting involved with it. But yeah, like you say. Yeah, Gary Neville is is uh, someone who, you know, as a Liverpool supporter, he, when he played for Man United, you think, oh, he was a bit of a, you know, an arrogant man and he was proper mank and he, you know, he wasn't really liked. But actually, he's turning into a real, uh, genuine, humble man who cares about the sport he's been brought up with. He cares about people. Wasn't Gary Neville the one who joined lockdown? Had, was it the Salford Hotel or something? Did he give the. To, yeah, just... they gave away, that was it, um, the rooms to staff working in local hospitals wasn't it, during the yeah. height of the pandemic, yeah. So he doesn't just talk the talk, does he, Gary? And, no. uh Yeah, I just wanted a special mention to them, really, for, for what they've done, because I think they did start it off on that Monday night. They really did. Yeah, I'm sure they'll, they'll appreciate that when they're listening, Paddy. And then just the last thing on this. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. <laughs> you missed that one. <laughs> I missed that one, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, cheers, Fletch, shall we say. <laughs> but then the last thing on this, Chris, I wanted your opinion. Uh, the man has come out, I, I forgot his name, but the guy who, who was the Real Madrid chief exec. Um, Florentino and, Perez, that yeah, man. That's yeah, that's Yeah, he's come out and said it's a generational thing. Kids play video games now. And football matches are too long. We need to cut football matches down. What do you think of that? Um, yeah, this whole idea he's come up with, um, he chucked a stat, didn't he, in his, um, what would you call it, interview, uh, <laughs> whatever that was, his television yeah. broadcast, um, that 40% of young people aren't interested in football. Uh, I don't know where he's got that from. And then B... Those people that are interested in football, he's not paid any attention to that at all. No. Um, and I, I'd argue that kids are probably more disinterested because it's harder to watch the game, these big games, probably. It's far less accessible, ironically, with the money that's been pumped into it. So, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure about 
not sure about that. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Right, enough of ESL. Let's yeah. go on to Formula One because an exciting race, wasn't it, in Italy? Did you manage to catch any of it? I didn't catch it, no. But from um, sort of catching up with it, um, yeah, it sounded like there's a fair bit of action involved. Was there a was there a was there a crash at the first, or did Hamilton and Verstappen go go to get? Was there something? No, it, there was a big uh, smack between Valtteri Bottas and George Russell, um, right, and then I believe just after that. Hamilton uh, spun off and then he went down to eighth and then clawed his way back to second but Max Verstappen was victorious so he held on Verstappen I believe yeah that's uh, that's 25 points for him and that's quite a solid start really second and first you know I'm guessing he's going to be Lewis Hamilton's main rival certainly looks that way doesn't it from the uh, from the off and then uh, I know I've touched on him uh, before in a podcast, Lando Norris. He took third, didn't he? He took the last podium position. So, you know, this 21-year-old uh, racer from Brittany, you know, say Hamilton, yeah, obviously there will come a time when he eventually finishes. Could Lando Norris take over his sort of expertise? Um, maybe, yeah. I don't know what the um, deal is. I know George Russell, um, who drives the Williams He's often touted as that next um, Mercedes driver, but I don't think he did himself any favours the weekend. <laughs> no. uh, so, yeah, don't know how that one will play out. And then Ferrari, fourth and fifth, respectively. Um, they were sort of, well, I knew Red Bull and Mercedes were going to be the two favourites, but Ferrari, are they, are they just not quite good enough this season? No, they've had quite a spell um, out of the top. Um considering the money they sort of plough into it year on year. So that's positive signs that they're back up near the uh, the top end, I guess. And then the next race, two weeks' time in Portugal. That'll be interesting. Is it, yeah, they come thick and fast uh, in the F1 uh, calendar. So, yeah, see, obviously this was another one which sort of incident-packed. Um, so whether things will die down, we'll get a better taste for what's to come, I don't know. Nice one. Well, from Formula One to World Snooker Championship, I thought we'd uh, throw this in. We, I don't think we've mentioned snooker, have we? No, yeah. I don't think we have. Snooker loopy. No. <laughs> uh, Upon here, so four-time champion John, John Higgins, he progressed through to round two. Uh, he beat Chinese qualifier Tian Pengfi. I uh, pronounced his name right. I might have not. Um, <clears throat> John Higgins, he's, he's been around for a while, John Higgins, hasn't he? I was going to say, yeah, the name. Uh, yeah, well, I guess snooker's not too um, age-selective, uh, is it? <laughs> um, no, it's I not. Don't know. But I wanted to mention this because I know we've touched on it with supporters in football. So supporters in uh, the Crucible, in uh, is, is it Sheffield, the Crucible? I want to say it is, yeah, yeah. Yeah? So they have a 980-seater. And on the first morning... They managed to get 83 fans, obviously spread out in the crucible, socially distanced. Then they got to wear a mask as well. Um, but then that sort of went up as the days went on. And I think when Ronnie O'Sullivan played his first match, I think it went up to about 300 because they're only allowing, is it a third maximum? 
fans in this 980 seater. Yeah. Um, so, but that's encouraging to see in a sports venue. It is, yeah. I find it a bit funny with the um, snooker. They always seem to, anytime there's been a talk of pilot events with fans, snooker is always the one that gets put up there. Like they talk about fans in football stadiums and snooker. I, I just find it a bit funny. Like, it must be that entertainment on the be, table. Yeah. Yeah, it must. It must. The fans must be buzzing to get back. I don't know. It's that. It's, it's those coloured balls. It is Chris <laughs> on that table. Ronnie they do rocket. something that they do like something that no other sport can do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! Uh, and then finally, world number sixteen, Anthony McGill in the snooker. Uh, he went through to the last sixteen, and he is going to play Ronnie O'Sullivan. So if, there's, if there is going to be a snooker match that I'm going to watch, I might watch that one if I can. Because when I watch Ronnie O'Sullivan, I do get entertained. Okay, Chris, let's dissect the upcoming Premier League fixtures and maybe touch upon uh, the midweek fixtures that have just happened and last weekend's games, because there was a bit of... Uh, um, well, some strange results, would you say? Uh, so there's Arsenal-Everton tomorrow, Friday night football. Then we move on to Saturday. We've got Liverpool-Newcastle, West Ham-Chelsea, which I think is the big one, and Sheffield United-Brighton. Sunday, Wolves v Burnley, Leeds-Manchester United, Aston Villa-West Brom. And we finish on the Monday night with Leicester and Crystal Palace. But before we go on to these fixtures... Newcastle's win against West Ham last week. We both touched upon saying that we think Newcastle will get something out of that game. And they managed to get all three points, which I think has put them eight points clear of Fulham, who could only draw to Arsenal. So, Do you think now Newcastle are safe? I think they've... I mean, you can never um, rule anything out, but I'd say that that's a massive win for them. Uh, probably going into the weekend... You just thought, oh, or seen the Fulham result and thought, oh, they've done like a point will do them good there. Um, but then uh, Newcastle winning that surely is um, a big step for them. They've got, they're obviously going to Liverpool on Saturday. I think they've got Manchester City the week after, and then they've got Leicester the week after. So potentially zero points there, but you never know with football, obviously. So say Newcastle do get zero points on those three games, Fulham. Uh, who I don't think play this weekend, but they're looking at maybe their next three games. Can they maybe get three, four points? And that gap just ever so slightly closes because Fulham and Newcastle play each other on the last game of the season. So I think if I'm a Fulham fan, I want to be in with a shout going into that Newcastle game. I think you'd fancy it as well, wouldn't you, if you went in with a a two-point gap, I don't know, say, um, knowing that that game was potentially for safety. You'd fancy the momentum, wouldn't you? But, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if Newcastle do pick up anything. Because um, if that goes... If they got a nine-point gap, I don't know how the goal difference is looking. Would it come down to that? I don't know. Yeah, and I'm not sure either. So, yeah, either. yeah, we'll find could, out, could won't we, in, in due course. So which fixture stands out for you there? Um, you touched on it. There were a couple, but... Uh, West Ham Chelsea stands out purely because of the what's on the line in terms of European qualification. 
Um, but yeah, other than other than that fixture and sort of Leeds Man United, I guess there wasn't a lot screaming at me this week <laughs> on that. No, but no, it's not, is there? No, um, but yeah, probably that game is the the important one at the uh, top top end of the table. Fantasy football captain, who are you going for? It's a tough one, I think, this weekend. Yeah, it is. Um, and I think I'm going to go for the Aston Villa-West Brom game. Um, I'm going to go for Ollie Watkins. Um, I think they'll take a bit of spirit from not getting battered by uh, City. <laughs> uh, it sounds like the first half was quite an entertainer last night. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd be thinking maybe they'll be looking to uh, get some points back on the board. Yeah, I'm going a bit controversial this weekend. And by the way, uh, my captain choice last week was awful. I went Lacazette. I think he pulled a hamstring in the second half. Um, <laughs> so, another one. I can't remember who I picked. Who did you pick? I'm not sure who you picked. I don't know. It can't have done very well if mm. I haven't noticed. Oh, Mason Mount. <laughs> was it Mason Mount? Oh, yeah, they drew nil-nil. <laughs> oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I'm going to defender because I think that this team will keep a clean sheet. Um, so I'm going Wesley Fafana. So on that Monday night, it's Leicester versus Crystal Palace. Now, not being funny, Crystal Palace this season, they just don't score goals. They, they really don't. I mean, I know Zahar has missed a lot of the maybe a third of their season. But when he's not when he's not on the pitch, even when he is on the pitch, they just don't score goals. You watch now, Leicester won, Palace four. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, Wesley Fofana is going to be captain there. That's a left field shout. I like it, Paddy. Yeah. So there you go. Um and then Super Six predictions. Kyle Gray, my apprentice, won again on Wednesday. Flying Kyle. Again. Yeah, he got I think he got twelve or thirteen points. So I'm not having that. So I need to pull a, pull something out of the hat here. Do you know how the two of us got on last week, Pat? Um, yeah, not great. So <laughs> I got four points. Oh, no. No, you no, got 12. No, no, that's Wednesday. Um, that's Wednesday. Did you see Saturday? So the predictions oh, we on. gave last week. The Let two of check. us. Have a look. Oh, dear. It's a big fat zero. <laughs> <laughs> the two of us. No, oh, we gosh. couldn't even predict a res- like a result, let alone a score. Oh. oh, mate, that's horrendous. Yeah, that is horrendous. <laughs> Not just us, though. I think a few, yeah, a few didn't predict a score either. No, that's all. Yeah. Jews, Gav Cross, James Spittle. So they they could all join us with zero. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's all Championship this this weekend. So we start uh, in London. QPR, Norwich. Where are you going? Now, I know QPR have been in a, a decent patch, um, but I think Norwich will sneak it 1-0. I don't think they'll want to end the season. I know they've... Have they already been promoted? Yeah, they're in the Prem. I know that's sometimes that takes the sting out, um, but I think they'll they'll be keen. They've lost a couple. I think they'll be keen to see one over the line. OK, well, well I'm going uh, sort of against what you said because I, I think with them having... Uh, one already or got promoted already, I think they'll slightly, their intensity will drop slightly. And QPR, I've just had a fantastic win at Swansea, promotion chasing Swansea, 1-0. So I'm going to go 1-1. Yeah, 
Okay. Don't think Norwich will win there. Staying in London for Watford Millwall or near London. 2 0 Watford in this one. 2 0 Watford. Yes. I've gone three. Sorry. Again, I think Millwall, they're, t- they're very inconsistent this season. Yeah. Like many, many championship clubs, to be fair. Uh, Yorkshire, Barnsley, Rotherham. Um, I've gone completely against what I said in the, <laughs> with Norwich already um, <laughs> sort of having some element of safety. Um, and I think Rotherham are scrapping down the bottom. A couple of games in hand. Uh, I'm going to go in away 1-0. Oh, very brave. I'm going to home 1-0. Oof. Yeah, with Barnsley there. Uh, to the northeast, Borough Chef Wednesday. Oh, who are Chef Wednesday are in this again? Do you remember last week? You yeah, said, they, yeah, they seem to all turn up. And uh, yeah, the next uh, next fixture as well. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go share the spoils. I don't think either team are in great form. No, they're not. One all. Okay, I'm going to a Borough win. One nil, scrappy. Forest versus Stoke. That doesn't scream entertainment value. So there's my goalless this week. Yeah, there's my goalless as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And sticking in the sort of Midlands area, Derby, Birmingham. Um, going a bit out there. Derby, 3-1. Oh, wow. Even though they've been dreadful. so They um, have. Yeah. Maybe a turn up. Well, Birmingham have won three of the last six, so I'm going to stick a 2-0 win for Birmingham. Lee Bowie to get them up, but to get them safe. <laughs> and then Golden Goal Prediction, five. 17. 17, there you go. So hopefully we're better than zero this week. <laughs> Women's FA Cup saw Carrie Jones, Chris, come on in the 71st minute. Uh, United beat Burnley 6-0 on the weekend. I did look out. Uh, she came on for a goal scorer out That's, wide, I think. It sounds like a healthy uh, 20 minutes on the pitch as well, which is good experience, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, so I'm buzzing, uh, buzzing for her there to get on. But I think there's another local star that we need to talk about because... Newtown and George Hughes are enjoying a good spell on the pitch, but there's a, a local star from Abermill I hear that has made his debut. Yeah, I believe um, Dylan Downs um, from Abermuller, young Mueller, um, he came on in place of George, funny enough, he was on the uh, podcast a couple of months back now, and they he came on in their win over Haverford West, I believe, Um so, yeah, it's great to see him make his Newtown debut. Um, nice to see local lads playing for Newtown as well, really. Um, yeah, it is. It is, isn't it? It's um, it's fantastic, really. I mean, George is enjoying it as well. George is enjoying a great spell, isn't he, really? I think, I think so. Yeah, Newtown um, as a whole, um, since the split, they didn't done very well before that. Um, but I don't, think, I don't think they've lost since the split. Um so, yeah, they're going really well. For those who, who, who are unsure what the split is, in the Welsh Premier League, um, after a certain amount of games, they'll split the league into two. So is it the top six will go into a, a playoff, or sorry, going for the, the European Places League, 
And then from 7th to 12th, it's uh, for fighting basically to stay up in the league, isn't it? I think so. And does the whoever finishes top of the bottom half go into the European playoffs spot? Or I could have got that completely wrong. I'm not sure. I know, obviously, first place get Champions League qualifying. Don't second place get Europa? I think yeah. maybe second and third. We need to do our homework. <laughs> need to do our homework. But I definitely know from 7th to 12th, if obviously you finish 12th, you go into to the Cymru or, or one down from the Welsh Prem. Yeah. Um, and Newtown were split into the bottom. So they were fighting to stay up. But I think now, I think with all their wins that they've had, I think they've had last six games that they had five wins, I think. Uh, yeah, so, I think so. They'll be pretty much safe, won't they, Newtown? Oh, safe, yeah. And just pushing for that top, well, the seventh place. Yeah. But yeah, we'll do our homework on, on that for sure for the European places. And then, Chris, the FA Cup results, because you said to me, Man City v Southampton final. <laughs> I said to you, Chelsea v Leicester final. And can you announce who is in the final Okay, you won, Pat. All right. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty pleased with myself. I was. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, at the time, you gave much more reasoning behind your choice. <laughs> so you probably deservedly predicted the final. <laughs> yeah, well, Chelsea did very well. I mean, they were very resilient, like, like I thought they would be. Get one goal and then basically give Man City 85% possession. Well, Sit I thought, right back. I saw, yeah... Um, Watch that game and Chelsea were particularly the first sort of 25 minutes stood out um, far more in control of the game, which surprised me. Um, yeah, I didn't see that coming really. I think Tuchel's becoming under the radar a little bit when he first arrived. I didn't think people knew him, I don't think people know what he was about. You know, this is a man who's managed Borussia Dortmund and PSG, yeah. you know. He, I personally think Chelsea are a title contender next season and uh, Tuchel's going to be a massive part of that. And there's players like Kai Havertz and Timo Werner who first season, yeah, they'll need to settle and they haven't done as, as well as they should have maybe. But next season, wow, I think this could be a Chelsea side who, we, who will be worried about playing for sure. <laughs> Now, I'm going to do it for April 22nd, because that is release day. David Moyes is sacked by Manchester United. So, bearing in mind he had the job in July, I believe. He got sacked on this day in 2014. Now, the reason I bring this up is because David Moyes, Chris, had a real would you say, rough patch in his managerial career from that moment, didn't he? And I believe he's bounced back superbly with his West Ham reign. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for how he's coached West Ham. Because in my opinion, he is a coach. I've watched a lot of videos on him on YouTube. Um, when I wanted to do a press with the 18s, I watched David Moyes and how he did the press. And for me, he's such a great coach. He's so enthusiastic. He knows exactly what he's talking about. And I think for West Ham, what are they, fourth in the league? Well, they were fourth in the league. Um, and they, ha they have a great chance of finishing in a Champions League spot, which you'd have never have said at the start of the season, never have said. 
Mikhail Antonio seems to be in and out of his squad. Suchek have been one of the most inspirational signings, would you say, of the summer, this season. Yeah. And Declan Rice, who's becoming an England first choice in midfield. I just think David Moyes has to have a lot of credit. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. Like you say, from what the battle he had last year, um, or his task was basically to keep him in the Premier League, wasn't it? I think people thought it was going to be much of the same this year. Um, so, yeah, undoubtedly he's played a big role in that. I think, yeah, it's, it's someone I I actually sort of look up to in a way if, as a coach. As a coach myself, I really I really enjoy watching his, his videos. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I know he was obviously Everton manager, Man United manager, but if you take that away... I really, really look up to him as a coach and think he think he's a fantastic manager. Yeah, on the on the lines of um, managerial sackings, um, we should probably mention Jose Mourinho, shouldn't we? <laughs> oh, mate, what's gone on? We didn't even <laughs> it didn't even what's touch upon on? it in the uh, didn't really twig until now that we hadn't touched upon it yeah. in the sporting news. Um, what's gone on? Because there was a report, wasn't there, that he refused to put his players on the pitch because of I this. think that was apparently that's been dispelled since then. Right, that that was nonsense. Um, obviously, just timing um but there's another interesting spin on that that did daniel levy uh do that then under the cover of all this european super league talk sort of to keep it low profile um which is it but it seemed the timing seems bizarre with the spurs in a final on the weekend um yeah i don't know what your thoughts are on that pat well have you seen his record in finals yeah, you, it does beg the question, doesn't it, is whether Levy almost didn't want to give him a chance to keep his job there. Uh, yeah, seems strange. Eight, 18 matches, 16 wins in a final. Yeah. I mean, uh, that is impressive, to say the least. And a Man City side who have just lost to Chelsea. They've had John Stone sent off this weekend. I don't know if that affects him in the cup, I'm not sure. Uh, sorry, uh, got sent off last night. Um, yeah, I'm really surprised. In terms, of, like you said, in terms of the timing, maybe in the maybe if if Spurs lost in the cup final, didn't get top four, and then in the summer they decided to sack him. Yeah, it's sort it's... of an understanding, but to sack him now, nah, I'm not having that. Strange, Strange one. Yeah, but then we don't know. We don't know what goes behind the scenes, do we? Exactly. Yeah. Right, past the pod challenge. We had Dubai, was it, last week? That's the one. So uh, is there any other come up? I'm afraid I can't bring us any. Uh, used all my energy last week for that one. <laughs> we have no no new countries on the list. Yeah. Um, so maybe now is a timely reminder that we need to regroup and uh, a big push for next week. Maybe we should aim closer to home. We've gone big, haven't we? The States, Australia. We have. Dubai, maybe, yeah. maybe just hit Europe a little bit. So, if you know anyone in these countries, please give us a hand and uh, get it out there. Brilliant. Okay, we're going to finish with the sports quiz question answer. So, your guess at the start with who was the most decorated Olympian for Brit- uh, British athletics? You went for Chris Hoy. I did. I can tell you your. 
very, 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 very close. Oh. If you want to have another guess. So still cycling. Oh, don't. <laughs> just looking at me on the Zoom call like that. Um, <laughs> oh, who else? British. Uh, oh, put me out of my misery. He's a sir. Oh, Wiggins. Bradley, Bradley Wiggins. Wiggins. Oh, I, oh, I've gone. Oh, that's. I always associate him with road cycling. Yeah, that's so why I, I did that's it. That's why. Yeah. That's oh, why, that's I, why I went Chris Hoy. I'll be very surprised. Anyone that has said Bradley Wiggins, please let us know uh, on our social media at the Sports In on Instagram and Facebook. Because the reason I did this is I thought, yes, I thought Chris Hoy would be mentioned. I thought maybe even Jason Kenny would be mentioned. But Bradley Wiggins, I thought, nah, they'll all associate him to the road. Yeah, and that's, that's yeah. True. I think he's won five gold, one silver, two bronze, or five gold, two silver, one bronze in that order. It's not a bad little uh, medal cabinet, is it? Yeah, and Hoy and Kenny are just below him in okay. the list. So that's there you go. One, yeah. yeah, Britain's most decorated Olympian, Sir Bradley Wiggins. We we um, I say we. I was in, do you remember I did travel and tourism in secondary school? That's a throwback, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, Mr. Waldron, our teacher, said we could go and to the Newtown. You know when those cyclists went round Newtown? I forgot. Yeah, the, uh, yeah the start of the tour yeah. of Britain, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's it. So uh, we were positioned ourselves in like a corner and I made a foolish mistake of leaving my class because I thought I could get a better view. And when I came back to my class, people like Zach Tanner said and Jordan Sheehy were like, oh, I've just had a picture with uh, Bradley Wiggins. I went, what? I was like, yeah, we just had a selfie with Bradley Wiggins. And I said, where's your evidence? Show me a picture. I could not believe it. Yeah. So by me thinking all cocky, thinking, yeah, I'm going to go over here, I missed the opportunity. <laughs> there you go. I was gutted. <laughs> there you go. So that's it for this week. Anything that we've mentioned today that you'll be keeping a close eye on in the days ahead, Chris? Seems to be another um, another football weekend coming up, doesn't it? We mentioned the same last week. Um, but as this weekend's just proven, you don't know what's around the corner in sporting no. news, do you? Um, so, no. yeah, I haven't really looked at the calendar ahead, but anything uh, you're keeping your eyes on, Pat? Um, probably look forward to the cup final uh, on Sunday. Um, but now, apart from that, I think it's just chill. Just see how it goes. Like, yeah, like you said, it's sort of thrown us off this week. So, yeah. <laughs> try and stay cool, calm, and collected as we go through the weeks now. Yeah, that's the one. Great stuff. Well, thank you for listening, and we look forward to bringing the next episode to you in a week's time. In the meantime, you can find us on social media to keep up to date with our latest plans and releases. Thank you, as always, to Black Market. Really appreciate your music, lads. It's fantastic. Now, are we in a position to mention to the listeners what is our plans for the next two local stars, Chris? Yeah, we should probably give an update, shouldn't we? Um, we've obviously we had the two, so we had George and Lauren there uh, one week, and then two weeks later, Lauren. Um, so yeah, we've had a bit of a, a lull in our schedule <laughs> in the middle, but we don't worry, we are bringing more voices to the podcast. Um, so next week we've both scheduled an interview with someone. Um, so I'm going to be speaking to 
runner, long distance runner, Andrew Davis. Um, and Pat, you'll be speaking to Ryan Sears. There we go. So bringing you the, yeah. the football and running worlds. Uh, so then we might we might release those one week after the next, maybe. Yeah, maybe yeah, back to back. Yeah, so um yeah, that'd be probably next Sunday and the Sunday after that. So yes, yeah, nice to be have some people on the podcast. Fantastic, Chris. Okay, well cheers, mate. Yeah, thank you, and uh, look forward to seeing you next week, Pat. Goodbye.